Don't call me Tim. The lights go down and shadows fall. Welcome to a world of mysteries, of conspiracies, of hidden and forgotten knowledge. There's a world more strange, more frightening, and more fascinating than most people ever imagined or dared to contemplate. Your parents, your teachers, never told you the whole story, either out of ignorance or fear. Your politicians may know, but they keep their mouths shut. The door is opening. Throw off your chains and blinders, arm yourselves with the truth, and take a walk along the razor-sharp precipice of the Outer Edge. Right, you are listening to The Outer Edge. I'm Tim Swartz, back once again with another fantabulous, magnificent, stupendous, and just down, uh, downright cool show. Isn't that right, Mike? That's right. It, it, it's absolutely uh, scrumptilicious. Scrumptilicious. Oh, no, there's a good one. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. Um, yeah, how are you, man? Right here, are, are you doing well tonight on the PSN Radio Network? Yes, yes, everything is cool. We've actually had some uh, uh, rain-free days here in southern Indiana, which uh, uh, I, I, I tell you something, the majority of this summer, um, I was beginning to think that we were going to have to build an ark. All the rain that they have not been getting out on the west coast has migrated migrated here. Wow, well, it's dried up here down in uh, Deep South. We, we haven't been getting any rain for a, at least a week. And, really? Uh, it, it dries up real fast this time of year because uh, the yeah. temperatures are in the upper 90s and uh, the heat index is even higher. So, yeah, it gets pretty hot. Well, and it's it's the same way here right now. I mean, you know, for the you know once once the rain cleared out, now we're in the upper nineties with like you know what two thousand percent humidity. I think. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, we get we get the same humidity that you're getting there in Mississippi because there's nothing to stop it. You know, I mean, it's just it's yeah. just basically flat all the way up to us. <laughs> Well, what's been going on with you this week? You uh, have any interesting stuff come down the pike in the conspiracy journal? Oh, there's always interesting stuff. Oh, you know, I I wanted to to mention. I don't know. It's uh, um, it's been a month or so since we talked about this, and maybe you know our audience may or may not remember this, or they may remember seeing this video. But uh, do you remember seeing it was a video taken, I think, uh, supposedly like Australia, New Zealand, uh, out of an airplane of this yes. weird, almost like brain-like UFO? Yeah. Well, it a mass. Yes, well, it turned out that it was a, a CGI image, and it had been taken from a video uh, instructing people on how to look for fake CGI UFO videos. <laughs> That's pretty pretty effective then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you know, I mean, the the video was like how how easy it is now to fool people. Right, uh, using well, CGI. It's interesting that you should should say that because I I guess you saw uh, the uh, release this week or the re the re release I should say of some UFO photographs supposedly taken uh, from the USS Trepang in the Arctic. Yes, back in uh, 1971, 
And John Greenwald over at the Black Vault actually recovered actual high-resolution copies of the photographs that appeared in the magazine uh, a few days ago. And I actually have put that on my Facebook page. I'll have to uh, tag you in that. But, uh, yeah, he uh, he got the high-resolution copies. And I've got to say that it's pretty amazing. It's, it shows these things coming and going out of the ocean. Um, there's like a big mothership, maybe even two. There's a cigar-shaped object. And there are all these smaller ships, and they're coming and going from the ocean, which ties in, you know, with the stuff that you and I have written about, about possibly, probably, the UFO phenomenon is actually localized to the Earth, and it always has been. Maybe they're from here. Yeah. Um, you know, the Arctic, the oceans, the the uh, subterranean realm. Um, it's, these these photographs are absolutely amazing. I I've never seen UFO photographs this good, in my opinion, because you could tell that they're just objects. They're, they're not. It's not like a bunch of fancy details, you know, on on their surfaces or or special effects or whatever. Um, pretty amazing stuff. Yeah, I was. Uh, um, I'm, I'm very intrigued by these photographs, and I wish that uh, you know. I hope somebody is able to dig out uh, uh, some more some more details about their origins. Now, you know, naturally. Uh, I think, uh, gosh, what, the, the website, you know, uh, was it Beyond Top Secret or, or is it just Top yeah. Secrets? I'm not uh, sure. But, Let, um, they usually, I mean, they, they have some pretty good, uh, um, uh, people on there who are some, uh, pretty good, uh, experts at photo analysis. And, uh, uh, so far, I don't know if any of them have really chimed in, but I mean, I think the general consensus among, amongst that group is that, you know, that, you know, you're looking at like, uh, like blimps and, uh, 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 no. you know, things like that that are being used by the submarine for some kind of, you know, I don't know, war games or anything like that. And, and you know, once again, it just seems to me like, you know, uh, you know, the explanations on what they are except UFOs seem to be a lot more convoluted than yes. that. This is, you know, these are photographs yes. of something unknown. Well, I, I'm looking, I'm looking at them. And the, the objects, there's one object that is sort of, uh, like an arrowhead shape. Mm-hmm. Then there's a massive, massive object off in the distance in one photo that is chevron shaped or maybe triangular, yeah, more like triangular shaped craft. And you can tell that this thing is just like, you know, as big as a, as an aircraft carrier. And it's all, you know, it's, it's over the surface of the ocean. It, you know, I'm sorry, they would not have been able to create that in 1971. Um, of course, there's the cigar-shaped object, which comes shooting out of the ocean. Is it shooting out of the ocean, or is it shooting into the ocean? It, it almost looks, looks like, like it, that it's impacting the water. The way uh, you know, the there, way there, that the, there are now there are now three frames of this thing. There's one of it emerging slowly, mm-hmm. and there's another one that almost looks like it might have been shot down. Then there are two that look like it's shooting out of the ocean, and then there's one of it floating horizontally, mm-hmm. perfectly still uh, above the surface. Um, there's one of it, it breaching, something breaching. It might be the gigantic one breaching. There's a lot of really strange stuff here, and these, these, these are not, I mean, to say that these are war game simulations is just stupid, hmm. for lack of a better word. Um, 
Very and strange were, stuff. And these were originally printed in, uh, was it a French uh, UFO magazine? Yeah, German? French UFO magazine. I'm not sure what the title was, but uh, yeah. It's crazy. I mean, these things look... This this is the type of, type of photographic evidence that everybody's always saying, I wish we had some really good photographic evidence, but that's what this is. And it's interesting that once I had posted this, the link to this on, on my Facebook page, I have a friend who's an ex-submariner, and he... Uh, he said that they had encountered something huge uh, under underwater. Hmm, uh, really? Back when he, yeah, back when he was in the navy, and uh, yeah. So, you know, these these things happen. <laughs> oh well, I mean, I I bet you that you know any Jack anybody Harbor, anybody who served on a submarine has probably has some very interesting stories to tell. In yeah. my opinion, and but well, you know, know the whole shack. You just incident. won't hear it. Oh yeah, yeah. You can't live that down. I mean, there's no explanation for that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that that was one of the things I thought was very interesting this week. And the other occurrence is still going on today. Uh, this is the flyby of Pluto. Um, they're getting some incredible images, and they're talking about it as if. Um, gee, guess what? There's even more stuff out there beyond Pluto. Pluto's the edge of a whole new solar system. That's what they said today. Mm. So basically they're hinting that this is a binary system, which some of us have been talking about for a long time, you know, and they're hinting that, oh, gee, you know, our solar system may be a binary star system and, and, you know, there may be another large body or other bodies out there. You know, so here we go. We're, we're getting hints of, of planet X, uh, whatever you want to call it, you know, other things, maybe a dark star partner, which is a pretty scary thought. It is. Um, you know, but, but apparently, uh. Well, I'm just, I'm just happy that the, the, the craft actually, um, was able to recommunicate with Earth again after it had been, it wasn't. It wasn't shut off, but I mean, it was uh, uh, on its close flyby. They positioned it so it wouldn't communicate with Earth, so it would spend all of the precious time that it had on its on its flyby taking pictures and gathering information. And then after that point, it had to reorient reorient itself in order to establish uh, contact again with Earth and say, "Hey, I'm still here." You know, here's here's some of the information. I guess that it's going to take months for all of the information that it has ga- that it gathered on Tuesday uh, back to Earth. I mean, and, yeah. and not you know, not because of the time delay. It's just that it has so much information that it's just going to take it a while to to send it all. You know, which is an amazing thing because I read that it's it's actual, I guess its power output is about the equivalent of a nightlight, which is yeah. an amazing thing. You know, it to is think, to think that it could uh, contact Earth from that distance with that amount of power. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Because you know, you think about. Um, it seems like a lot of times. The combination of high tech and low tech is what gets the job done when it comes to these types of things. Oh sure, oh sure. Well, you know, I mean, face it. I mean, the more technical you get, you know, the the greater the chance of something going wrong. <laughs> I mean, you know, the military learned that, yet uh, they still are constantly uh, petitioning Congress. 
you know, for these, uh, uh, these, these, these highly complex, uh, 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 high technology weapons system that ends up, you know, having billion dollar overrun, billion, billion dollar overruns, you know, because they're, they're just too complex. There's something yeah, exactly. to be, there's something to be said about just throwing rocks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, um, keeping it simple can avoid a lot of problems whenever possible. So keep, you know. it's well, it's the kiss principle. Keep it simple, stupid. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I wonder though if they do start finding more stuff at the edge of the solar system when they get into the and how do you pronounce it is the coupler coupler belt area or the the, the coupler Ky- the Ky- Kuiper belt. Kuiper uh, however it's pronounced. Yeah. If they yeah. do start finding, you know, like you said, like Planet X or Planet X's XYZ, whether or not uh we'll hear about it. You know, because that's one of those things that uh you know it always seems like you get one astronomer saying uh, you know, because of the the way the inter, uh, the outer planets rotate, there's the good possibility of a giant planet at the edge yes. of the solar system. Yeah, and so, then pretty so, soon, yeah, then yeah. pretty soon somebody else comes along and says, "No, that's bullshit." Something, <laughs> something is perturbing the the. Uh, it's causing a wobble mm-hmm. in the uh, the orbits of the outer planets, especially and, and to, to cause a, a significant wobble in those larger. Uh, bodies like Neptune and Uranus, uh, yes, Uranus, um, <laughs> but to cause a wobble in those outer, in those large outer bodies, it has to be a, something of a significant size. Well, it's like you said uh, uh, earlier, though. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they didn't find that uh, our solar system has a uh, a companion, uh, a brown dwarf star. Um, yeah. Most, I guess, the majority of uh, star systems are, are are binary systems with uh, with you know like single sun, suns being you know uh, a little bit more rare. I mean, you know, yeah. So and and considering some of um, some of the past mythologies that have come down to us um, seem to suggest that something does perturb the inner solar system every i don't know what what what's supposed to be like you know 200,000 years something like that i can't remember exactly you know uh, what it's supposed to be um, yeah i i don't remember but uh definitely uh interesting and listen did you it seemed like there was something on your page i'm trying to remember what it was um on your conspiracy journal page Re- refresh me as to what your headlines were this week Oh my gosh! Um, <laughs> uh, I'm, I've I've gone I've gone past that. No, what was my what were my headlines? Let's see here. Um, you know, I'll have to. I'd have to actually. Yeah, I was going to ask you something about it when we got on the show, but I've I've, I've drawn a blank on it. Um, I I know that. Uh, it almost seems like there's been a saturation of the market recently with with uh, UFO books. Have you noticed this? Oh yeah, yeah. It's, it seems like there's sort of been a glut, and I have to wonder if if part of the reason for that is because of uh, some people just 
reprinting, 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 reprinting stuff from the 60s in the 70s, you know, <laughs> and flooding the market. It's like, you know. And in addition to that, all this so-called uh, um, disclosure stuff is flooding the market. And, and I, it seems almost as if that the uh, um, the, 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 the Roswell slide debacle kind of took the wind out of the balloon. You know what I mean? Um, it seems like it really, really possibly, possibly. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I mean, it's just uh, when it comes to the whole study of ufology and the, the 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 public's opinion of it. I mean, you know, it's uh, the uh, um, the air has been taken out of that balloon. Quite a while ago, there's not much air left. <laughs> um, you know, uh, we would really have to have, I think, at this point. You know, I mean, something, something like the the whole non Roswell slides, you know, disclosure and stuff. I mean, you know, for most people, they, you know, that's it's they the general public didn't hear it. You know, it didn't influence them one way or the other. It was it, it was contained pretty much within the you know, and I put quotation marks around this the the UFO community. You know, I mean, what what we really need in the United States, and I mean, there's been some increase. I guess uh, in in June there was an apparent uptick in UFO activity, as recorded by um, the the various UFO gr- you know, reporting groups. Right. But we would really need, like, a, a massive UFO flap in the United States, like uh, what happened to, say, what was around, like, 1973. There, That that was really the last major uh, UFO flap in the United States. And we haven't, we haven't had it. Everything went south to, to Mexico, you know, much to the chagrin of uh, Donald Trump. Um, so... In order to reinflate that balloon, we need something really significant. Yeah, something really big. Yeah, and And I I have to say that anything that happens, if it does happen, I'm going to be extremely skeptical that it's not a psyop of some kind at this point. Yeah, yeah, it's true, it's true, Um, but... um, you know, I mean, if and if anything uh, big does start to happen, you definitely will see psyop activities taking place well, yeah. in order to discredit it. Well, you know, my son and I were talking about this the other day, and if you look at the literature and the accounts going back for decades, you'll see that it seems that the so-called men in black phenomenon, for instance, the men in black, whoever they are, they're obviously several different groups, okay, and the Government agent types seem to want people to think that they're otherworldly in some way. And the otherworldly types seem to be desperate to convince people that they're government types. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's as if they're working against each other. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, oh, I would, I agree. Yeah. One, one group is pretending to be aliens and the other group is pretending to be government. You know, yeah. so, yeah. Well, that's, you know, I've uh, I've said this before, and I really need to, I, I, I need to write about this, you know, because I've, I've 
I've given it lip service, but I haven't really put it down into the words yet. I mean, I actually think that some of the stories that have trickled down to us about, say, like uh, 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 UFO occupants uh, coming into contact with the United States military and government, especially in the uh, early 1950s, you know, I'm, I'm beginning to think that maybe some of those instances actually did happen. And that um, for a while we were convinced that, yes, we were dealing with uh, um, extraterrestrial creatures. Right. But then, uh, maybe just, you know, shortly thereafter, the their story, you know, the story that was given to us uh, fell apart. Yes, I, I've always thought the same thing. We, we were convinced by them that they were from another planet. Right. But really, they're from here, and they always have been. Right. And when we figured that out, oh, all of a sudden we were doing underground nuclear testing and <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> all these mm-hmm. other things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of like extermination, you know. Um, yeah, there, I think that there's a lot more to it than uh, than than it meets the eye. And, and obviously, you know, people that have their a vested interest in, you know, the extraterrestrial hypothesis and and uh, um, disclosure and all this kind of stuff, they're going to do anything they can. Do discredit the idea that we have coplanetarians? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're not definitely. really interested in the truth. They're interested in promoting their sort of a. It's sort of like a religion. It's a pseudo religion. The whole extraterrestrial hypothesis. Right. Right. And and anything other than what they are looking for is is you know they're not going to believe. They're going to you know, like, oh well that's still part of the government cover up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's how I see it. Well, um, uh, Mike, uh, we're uh, coming up here on uh, break time. So, who is uh, who's our special guest? Who's our special guest today, Mike? Who's behind door number one? Well, tonight we have J.C. <laughs> Johnson. All right, J.C. the the the, uh, the great cryptozoologist, adventurer, explorer, bon vivant. No, I'm just kidding. Fun, J.C. is here with us again, and that's great because J.C. was one of our first guests on the show, I think, yes. when mm-hmm. we started the new show. Um, he was on our other show that we used to do, and he, he's just a real genuine friend of the show and uh, personal friend. It's really good to have him on here, and he's going to uh, update us on the latest and greatest uh, uh, in, in terms of what he's been up to and what he's been tracking down out there in the dead of night. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I guess when we come back, we'll have J.C. Johnson here, and uh, and we can find out what's going on in the world of cryptozoology and strange creatures. All right, that sounds good. You know, I I, I need to get uh, I I I don't know. Maybe it's uh, Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass. Yeah, you know that song goes. And play, yeah, play that. Flea in it. I think so, yeah, yeah. And, you know, play that as we're announcing who our guest is. And who's our guest tonight, Mike? Well, <laughs> the old Dayton game music. Yeah, game. there you go, there you go. That's that. That's it. That's exactly what I was See, thinking. I just dated well. myself there. Oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> All right, so if there's, if there's anyone still listening... <laughs> um, we will be right back in just a, a few minutes after this break with our guest, J.C. Johnson. You are listening to The Outer Edge on PSN Radio. Please stay tuned. 
There'll be more as soon as we get back. team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology preventative maintenance and networking support hardware and custom built computers let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly monthly or annual rates to fit anyone's budget call key information solutions now 954-973-3374 That's 954-973-3374 Or visit keyinformation.com Conspiracy Journal is your number one source for the hidden world of the weird and strange. We bring you thought-provoking and controversial material for free-thinking individuals who are seeking what is really going on in our world today. Some of this material may adversely affect you. Other pieces are meant to enlighten. Either way, be prepared to be intrigued by such things as the reality of UFOs, ghosts, strange creatures from time and space, hidden conspiracies, time travel, Nikola Tesla, suppressed technology, and a whole lot more. You can find out more by visiting our website at conspiracyjournal.com. There, you can sign up for our free weekly newsletter sent directly to your email address. You can also receive our free print catalog. Just send your name and mailing address to mrufo8 at hotmail.com. I'll spell that out for you. M-R-U-F-O, the number 8, at hotmail.com. mrufo8 at hotmail.com. Find out what they don't want you to know. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Hi, I'm LeVar Burton, and I'm proud to be a book person. How do I choose a book? Sometimes it's the cover, sometimes it's the title. I guess I'm pretty visual. If a book's really impressing me and the writing is really good, I will peek and see what the last paragraph is. Because the endings of books should rock you. I am a book person. And if you're a book person, too, read to a child and spark a lifetime of ambition. Join me at bookpeopleunite.org because reading is fundamental. A public service announcement brought to you by Reading is Fundamental, Library of Congress, and the Ad Council. You're listening to The Outer Edge Radio with William Michael Mott and Tim Schwartz, only on PSN Radio.
welcome back to the Outer Edge on the PSN Radio Network. I'm Mike Mott here with Tim Schwartz. And today it is just now turning into Monday for me. And uh, um, so that will be July the 20th. Um, we are joined by our very special guest, J.C. Johnson, purveyor of the unknown. Hey, J.C., how are you doing, man? Pleasure to be here, gentlemen. Really great that you could uh, be with us uh, again today, uh, JC. It's always, always fascinating when you're on our program. Sometimes I scare myself. (laughs) I I do. There you go. You know, in hindsight, I mean, to have a normal life with blinders on, um, I couldn't ever do that again. I am where I am where I'm at and what, you know, all these things that are going on. And it's pretty ominous. It's pretty ominous. And a lot of the weird things that are coming up and popping out are pointing toward some type of major happening, some type of agenda fulfillment, I'm thinking. So, yeah. besides from that, how are you gentlemen? We're doing good, I guess. Yeah. Well, know. I mean, I, I was good up till you said that. <laughs> 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 well, I mean, okay, now you, you say that, JC, but I mean, haven't we always uh, uh, seen, you know, like uh, weird stuff like this happening? I mean, I mean, it, 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 I know that nowadays we're able to, you know, like uh, get information out a lot quicker than, than we were able to 100 years ago. Well, but I mean, ha- has there really been that big of a change? I, you, you know, know when, when I wonder about that all the time. And it, with the advent of the Internet and a lot of folks who didn't have ways to get out in communication, especially on the reservation areas, now that they're getting satellite and in some cases getting cable, most everybody's getting hooked up to the Internet. You can have a Wi-Fi hotspot and hook people up to the Internet that way. Right, There's right. a lot more communication going on. So that may well be a, a big part of it. Because You know, JC, it's funny you should say that because every, I've been thinking about that several times lately when I've seen these things on, on television, people out in, the, out in the wilderness, and they're Skyping and things of this nature. Um, you know, a lot of these phenomena uh, have an electromagnetic component, and I have to wonder what effect creating Wi-Fi hotspots will have on 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 those particular phenomena. Well, I just you just don't know, do you? Uh-huh. <laughs> you just don't know. Maybe maybe you're like you know, uh, causing them pain or or interfering with their manifestation or, or you know who knows or giving them energy, you know. All of the above. <laughs> All of yeah. the above. And I think another thing too is with everybody being online. Um, this was brought up by Sharon Day, and I, I find it very interesting. The computer refresh rate is training your eye and your eyes, the, the refresh rate. Think about this. Boom, boom, yeah. boom, 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 boom. And yeah. we're, we're picking up more things out of the corners of our eyes. And some of these things, in a way, are like, oh, you can see me. <laughs> you can see me? Yeah. You're not supposed to be able to see me. You can see me. So, I mean, there are uh, some interesting uh, sciences as far as that. Think about the refresh rate, training your eye to pick things up in a really quick manner. Things that used to just zip out of sight all of a sudden, you're able to see them for a second or two. 
you know, oh, I've, you know, I, it's funny that you would say that, JC, because, I mean, I've heard a lot of stories, and just one really recently, um, of, you know, people who will see something that is definitely out of the ordinary, you know, just, uh, strolling along down the street or through their yard or something like that, and then whatever this, you know, uh, this thing is that's being seen realizes that it is being seen, it looks shocked. That it's being, you know, that that somebody can actually see it. I, I yeah. agree. There's stuff going on like that all the time, all the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I think that we're seeing these events come about more and more too because there are other things going on in terms of the Earth itself, um, human activity, um, maybe even events that are supposed to come to a head at a certain point. I think all these sorts of things are are, are tying in together. With these uh, anomalies, I agree. I agree, and like I said, a lot of this stuff has agenda and fulfillment of this agenda, yes. and yes. you're going to be seeing more and more of that. Exactly. To which I say, and this is my personal point of view: know your Bible, have one handy, and have plenty of bullets and cold steel, and you'll be fine. <laughs> plenty of bullets, plenty of cold steel, and you better you better have a good relationship with Creator. That's right. Um, if you don't, you're cannon fodder, and I run into that all the time, where people are like wanting a magic potion, a magic pill, a magic prayer. Well, they're wanting to play with it too. Aren't yeah, they? Well, they're wanting to play with it, and then once they've started playing with something and it won't go away. Then, you know, all of a sudden, oh, what do I do? <laughs> you shouldn't have done yeah. this in the first place. And yeah. I say this time and time again. People inadvertently sometimes even make an imitation and they leave that door open and something's going to walk through that door and come show up on your doorstep or outside. That's your right. Window. And, and then you're like, what do I do? What do I do? <laughs> be careful the imitations you make and be careful what you dabble with. In fact, uh, Nick Redfern shared one of his articles the other day, you know, these people that are calling things from the other side. It's not Uncle Sid that showed up. It's something <laughs> it's something that's going to give you your worst Monday only 50 times over, you know, and it's going to torture you and, and make your life a living hell. So I caution anybody out there doing that ghosty ghost stuff, cut it out. Stop. Yeah. Well, it's, it's just asking for it. Well, it's just like getting on the telephone and dialing a number at random. You know, expecting that you're going to get, like you said, Uncle Sid, and you know, oh, then no, you have the nerve. Yeah, well, and then you have the nerve to act surprised when you're not getting Uncle Sid on the phone. You know? Exactly. <laughs> or you know, when the telemarketers call me, I answer the phone. I go, "Well, I hid the body, but there's blood everywhere," and they hang up right away. <laughs> oh, I need to try that. <laughs> But no, I've I'm been, I've been, I've been getting, I've been getting these these really annoying calls where you'll answer the phone and then the line on the other side will ring to another phone, and then they'll answer it and then start their spiel. And it's like, oh, what you know, you you expect me to answer the phone and then wait for you to come on the line <laughs> so you can try to sell me something. Well, exactly, and then, or you get somebody from the Cayman Islands, and you can't understand a word they're saying, and you want to be nice. I want to be nice to everybody. I'll be like, dude, I cannot understand you. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, why don't you call Michael Mott? Yeah, there you go. I'll give you, I'll give you his number. <laughs> Whatever you're selling, 
<laughs> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, people, I, I don't understand why people, they, they're fascinated by the paranormal and the supernatural. But then they don't want to learn about the long-standing traditions and rules for dealing with and interacting with such things. They want to, they want it their way. They want it to be the fantasy world, um, you know, the Harry Potter, um, you know, what, a way of looking at things. And it doesn't work that way. You know, these, these beings, when they are interested in you, they are interested in you for their own devices, their own purposes, and they are opportunistic and they will take advantage if they can. And I, I just don't understand the, the, continuing level of naivete when it comes to dealing with such things, whether they're physically real or seem to be or temporarily are, or whether they're, you know, something unseen. You know, when you're dealing with things like this, you're dealing with something that's totally alien to you, and it has a mind and an agenda of its own, and why would you trust it? Why would you want to interact with it? Do you go out, you know, and and, and try to encounter, you know, the most destitute, uh, violet, uh, jabbering, out of out of his mind, homeless guy that you see on the street. Hey, man, you there? Yeah, you eating dog feces? Yeah, come here a minute. I want to talk to you. Do you do that? No. So why would you do that with things that you don't know anything about? It's it's become a culture. It really has. Um, it's it's just a huge culture now, and yeah. uh, you can thank Zach Bagans and a lot of other. Folks out there, and poor Zach Baggins, that man has been, I think stuff's jumped in and out of him a whole bunch. And, you know, yeah, he got, lets it happen. Yeah. He's got the physical manifestations of the claw marks on him and things like that, you know, and it sells yeah. tickets. It makes for great television, but at a very extreme personal cost to him. And you won't hear too much about that, but it, it, it'll catch up with him. Yeah. One of these times, you know, you can't go out there playing in Satan's playground and expect to get treated fairly. <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> doesn't work like that, guys. <laughs> so, uh, JC, now uh, normally we think of you as being in the uh, uh, Four Corners area, but uh, uh, where uh, where are you calling us from uh, tonight? I- I'm up in northern Minnesota, near our Canadian neighbors. I say that's uh, that's that's a completely different climate than uh, what you're normally used yeah, to. Yeah, you guys, it? you can have the mosquitoes up here. Good lord, and the deer flies, and oh my goodness, <laughs> and the humidity. Oh my goodness. Well, you know, actually, down in the Four Corners area, they've been getting quite a slice of the monsoons and some heavy moisture down that way too. So I've been kind of checking back and forth on the weather, and I've had it better off up here than down in the Four Corners area overall. So I shouldn't complain. <laughs> Except for the mosquitoes. That, oh, I don't, yeah, they're 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 vicious up there, aren't they? Oh my goodness! <laughs> you get up out of a canoe or a kayak to help you get up. Oh, thank you, thank you yeah. very much. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you just just drop me on the shore. Cool, thanks, great. Uh, and and there's nothing that you can do. I mean, you know, you 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 can have you know like uh, interstellar off on you, and they'll just laugh at it, and you know, just lap it up. <laughs> mm, hey guys, come here and try this new flavor. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, Consumer Reports is like nothing else works uh, against mosquitoes except off. 
and and I and I find that a lot of times most mosquitoes they just they do is just like uh, it's just little extra extra treat for them on your skin. Well, the the DEET in a forty percent variety, which is very very bad for you. I guess the DEET never really leaves your body and it builds up, so it's right. not a good thing. But unfortunately, that's the only thing I've had success with up here. Mm, mm, mm. Well, uh, okay, can we ask you then, uh, uh, what's going on? Why why are you up there? Well, uh, there's actually, I'm working on a couple of bubble areas with extreme, extreme strange activity, mostly in regards to the furry folks, and unfortunately, these upright walking canid, canine creatures. And this is uh, one of them is a long, ongoing, uh, generational from grandparents to present-day grandson talking about the old female and the old male that hung around. And now he believes the grandson now is dealing with what he calls the pups. Hmm. And these are, off, you know, uh, they run on all fours a lot, but they're, you've seen them walking on two and, you know, seven, eight feet tall. Wow couple of different colors, um, you know, really good eyewitness descriptions and so forth, and activity. So I'll be getting up there. Hopefully I'll be working my way up at least to that spot next week sometime. Wow. So tell us what's... And uh, mostly what's this is, uh, it's in between three Native American reservations. Okay. Does that surprise you? No. Once <laughs> <laughs> again. Oh, my goodness. So what, what's been going on up there? Um, there, as, as far as this particular individual, you know, he's like, I've tried to kind of like make peace with him, but the, you know, it, it, there's an uneasy truce, if you will, but he was uh, out getting some, uh, uh, mushrooms, gathering some mushrooms and some stuff out of the forest and they pushed his ATV down a hill and I guess it smacked into a tree and he knows they did because he found their five-and-a-half-inch-long bipedal canine tracks. Hmm. So, you know, he knows who the culprit was. Also, um, he's been hearing the furry people all the time. He hears them in the woods and so forth. And he typically brings out some uh, um, trade goods. You know, don't mess with my stuff while I'm in the woods, so he'll leave some things out there for them, the furry folks. And he goes, they leave my stuff alone if I just bring out some treats for them. Right. You know, and he would like to um, get get some better better sightings of the furry folks. So I'll be working on that with him. Okay, when you say furry folks, you're talking about both Bigfoot type creatures and the uh, well, canine. The furry type ones, creatures. no, the furry ones, the furry folks would be your Bigfoot, Sasquatch, okay. and okay. you know the upright walking canids. I mean, no, uh, he he calls them explicatives. Hmm. <laughs> things I can't say on the air. So, I mean, you yeah, know, it, yeah. it hasn't been a... And the old bitch, the old really? woman, the old woman dog person used to really harass his grandma when, when his grandpa would have to go to town or something. Now, these are Native American people, right? No, I, actually, this gentleman's Caucasian. Oh, is he? Okay. He's so Caucasian so in between three Native American reservations. Okay. Hmm. So, so what's going on with these... Uh, with these beings, I mean, what are they doing to these people? Just Don't mostly the, the uh, a continued harassment, continued harassment type situation. I don't. We don't have any gothic tales of horror where they've you know 
rip people open and things like at least nothing of that nature in this particular incident that I'm aware of. It's just a unique opportunity, especially on some private land where I can get in close to these uh, different entities. Yeah. Because typically I don't really I don't really go look for anything anymore. We're just responding to people with situations. That's pretty well, that much what it's you, been it, the last, you know, the last quite a few years now. It isn't really, oh, I'm going to go sit on this stump and wait till something shows up. No, typically what we're doing is responding to situations at the request of other people. Mm-hmm. Well, it kind of makes you wonder what, um, h- how many people who do disappear, you know, in the wilderness or, or whatever, or even people who live isolated by themselves and they vanish or something strange happens, how many times things like this might have something to do with it? Oh, I, I would say 80% of the time. Wow. I would, honestly, you know, and then some mm. of that you can attribute to the furry folks, the upright walking hominids, Sasquatch Bigfoot, if you will, which uh, I'm trying to, uh, eventually I think I'm going to lose Bigfoot and Sasquatch from my candor because it's just really getting on my nerves, squatchy this and have a squatch, no, yeah. <laughs> squatcher and I'm squatching you and, you know, I mean, you really... You're, you're building a culture around this uh, anomaly that might be a lot more frightening than you even realize. So I'm right. I'd really like to uh, distance myself from that kind of language anymore. Upright walking, hairy hominid, things like that. You know, the furry ones, yeah. the furry folks. Yeah. You know, and and it's just getting ridiculous. And there's there's you, you really see culture being built. Around this phenomena. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, um, and I know this is the this is the sixty four million dollar question that everybody asks. But you know, it's it seems like that when you're dealing with uh, the furry folk, that the majority of the time that you are actually dealing with a uh, you know like a, an actual species, a physical creature. But now the 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 canids, the upright walking uh, uh, canids, seem to have more of. Uh, e- even though at times you know they they are obviously physical, but there seems to be another element involved here, a, a, a less than physical element, if you know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, there's definitely um, something otherworldly with them. Um, not necessarily so much with the dogmen. I think they are what they are all the time. If you want to put them right. in a classification, when we get into the, the shapeshifters, the weirs, the skinwalkers, that's somebody that we sat next to at Sunday school, Sunday morning at 9 a.m. and at 9 mm. p.m. that night, they turn into some type of horrible creature. So there's, <laughs> there's a difference, and everything's a case-by-case basis. Sure. So do you think, you, know. you think that some of these canids, though, could be... Let's say that there is a skinwalker culture going back for generations, and it's like passed down through the family or something. Is it possible that some of these people will get stuck in that form? Uh, you know, and I've heard stories to that nature, where as an actual wealthy landowner around the Four Corners area, one of his old buddies showed up at night, and he's like, don't shoot me, it's Fred. <laughs> and, you know, here's this seven-foot-tall wolf man on his mm. doorstep. It's Fred. Don't shoot me. This guy couldn't switch back huh. anymore. So this wealthy landowner huh. and this creature, Fred, 
and I'm just, you know, I'm just putting names in there, but pretty well made a deal that he would patrol his property and run folks off. And, you know, he would just eat the game that's there and, uh, you know, occasional homeless person, and they kind of made that deal. Homeless person? So he looks the other way while he kills people? I don't know. I don't know. And we found some really disturbing things going on in the local parks around Farmington, too, where we're finding nice clothes and campsites off in the tammy trees and so forth, especially along the river in some of these parks where homeless people guard their clothes. You know, that's really mm. you don't find nice clothes left behind and, and campsites yeah. and sleeping bags. And, you know, you, you want to go in there and get the pictures and the photos because somebody's going to come along from the park service or something and clean this stuff up. So you want to document everything that you can. Yeah. And then, you know, they it, it's a faceless, nameless, victimless thing because these people, a lot of the homeless folks traveling through, they don't have any real identity. Nobody really knows them. So there's no real way of tracking, other than some of the families on the reservation that have relatives up missing where they were last, you know, known to have been camping in and around some of these parks along the river and the Animas River and the San Juan. So, you know, there you can go, okay, you know, this guy's missing, so forth. These are mysterious circumstances. But in most cases, a lot of your homeless people have substance abuse problems. Mm-hmm. Especially with uh, Dene Navajo, you know, they've got a lot of alcohol counseling and so forth going on. But unfortunately, a lot of the family members, once somebody just completely goes over to um, a complete Hakani, if they will, that's what they call them, just completely living for the drink, um, they kind of disown them. They don't want to mess with them. And they disappear all the time, too. And, you know, they're like, oh, he probably froze to death or this or that. Or, you know, it's unfortunate. But it happens all the time, though. Oh, it does. You know, Farmington area, they, I think typically in the wintertime, they'll find two or three, sometimes up to five people who have frozen to death overnight. Mm -hmm. Homeless and so forth. But, you know, we've got a, a transient population coming through that area, too. Well, you know, J.C., uh, um, there are mythologies within some, uh, with, within a couple of the Native American tribes that, that used to live here in the Midwest, Indiana especially, uh, the ones that I've talked to that, you know, the, some of them you know, are still around, that um, they believe that a lot of the the furry folks that are that are seen around here were at one time people and that something happened to them unintentionally on their part almost like a wendigo type of situation where all of a sudden they are turned into a furry folk and they are never they're never able to come back um uh, and I've told this story before about uh, this woman uh, um, who, whose husband, uh, this is in Sullivan, Indiana, her husband went out to work one day, and uh, when she looked out a little later, his uh, his car was still there, his briefcase, you know, was sitting next to the door, and he had just disappeared. And about a year later, she saw a, um, a Bigfoot, as she described it, in her backyard, looking in 
her house uh, you know through the window and she said that she could tell that that was her husband wow. she said it, it she said it had his eyes well i'll, I'll tell it, you guys something interesting yeah. about that and, and that is that you know there used to be traditions rumors whatever going back for centuries that people who had sold their souls literally had made a pact that they they say they want eternal life or they want to have you know live for hundreds or hundreds of years and they they're going to do all this stuff and they're going to serve the, the evil one and do certain things when their time comes that instead of dying that they would be transformed into non-human things like this and continue to serve well, and, half, and, and, half and, and be miserable after the entertainment industry should Look like that. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe, maybe they will. Yeah, Hollywood's <laughs> going to grow hair, guys. I'm telling you. Hey, hey, man, I mean, look at Bruce Jenner. Well, he's going bald. Oh, oh, Bruce Jenner. I, I, was, I was thinking about Bruce Willis. Nah, yeah. Bruce Willis is a good you, guy. You look into, where did Bruce Jenner go to grade school? Sandy Hook. Wow. Where did Bruce Jenner, where is Bruce Jenner from? Newton. Where did Bruce Jenner go to high school? Sleepy Hollow. Wow. Weird, I didn't know that. There's a lot of weird, weird stuff going on in in that that Newton area. That's just, I think, a, a lot of those folks would be turning into hairy things, too, if that's the case, because there's some soul-swapping having gone on there. Something's wrong. I think Very that, uh, yeah, yeah I, th- I think that maybe Mae West jumped into Bruce Jenner or something. <laughs> well, you know, around the outset, if he was using steroids all those years with, uh, you know, the incredible things, he used to be my hero. You know, he was on the Wheaties box. Yeah, he was a hell of an athlete. And, and, and you know, if he was using steroids, uh, maybe what they say about steroids is true and your hoo-hahs shrink up and fall off. So you might as well become <laughs> a woman, I suppose. Right, I yeah. don't know. You know, and, I mean, you know, I, that's stuff I really. I look at the origins, and I look back to where this guy's from, where he went to school, where he grew up, and what kind of agenda he might be involved in. Also, and it's really disturbing now that some of these, uh, especially Washington area and so forth, you know, twelve-year-olds can go and get birth control without their parents' permission. And things like that. I mean, this is all upside down land. I don't want to get into too much into political realm, but they're, the children, uh, they want you to have the attitude that your children actually belong to the state and not right. to the parents. And they're taking more and more decision making away from the parents and implementing yep. essentially legislation on a local level. To allow your children to, uh, I, I also I believe it's in Oregon or Washington. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but kids as young as 15 can go and get a sex change on Medicaid. Right, exactly. No, there's there's um, there's yeah, some yeah. nasty influences out there, you know. Well, see, they let six sixth graders go and get an IUD without parental parents even being notified, much less parental permission. But, it's criminal. It's criminal. Yeah, it's criminal. But, but, but you can't come to school and give your, you know, give your kid 
medicine in some of these situations, you know, like Tylenol or something. So, yeah, it's ridiculous. It's insane what it is. It's kind of like we don't want to get started on the political cycles. We'll never stop. Um, <laughs> um, I'm, 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 st- I'm fired up right now about this whole sanctuary city crap. Uh, I'm, I'm real unhappy about it. So, um, yeah, because of the, the basically flaunting the laws of the land and ignoring federal statutes in order to allow violent criminals to return again and again and again. You know, I, don't even get me started. So let's talk about something a little less sick well, and perverted, I, I like will hairy humanoids. On, I will touch on one thing with that. And I've got friends you know, from Arizona, New Mexico, right. and Colorado. And yeah, I have friends who do work the border. And what they're really concerned about is probably 80% of the traffic coming across that they're able to apprehend or have knowledge of are other than Mexican. OTMs, that's right. And most of these specialty groups, they're getting grabbed up by DHS and they don't show up at a fusion center or anything. They, They just disappear. And that's a concern. And there's a lot of concern about that presently. Where are these people going and why does DHS have them and they're not going through the typical process to be yeah, sent back home. They're grabbing people from ISIS. They're grabbing people from Syria. They're grabbing people from, from North Korea, China. Uh, they're coming in across that border. Yeah. And then, and then, of course, you have the criminal illegal aliens like the guy in San Francisco. So, you know, it's a, it's a mess. There's no excuse for it. And it is scarier than any monster lurking in the woods. Yes, it is. Yes, it is, because there's, yes. there's some kind of agenda going on there, too, I sure. guarantee you. Well, well you know, uh, here's the thing. There are still almost 200 uh, Russian nuclear bombs that are suitcase nukes carried in a briefcase that are missing. They were sold on the black market 20 years ago when the Soviet Union fell. I think there's 180 of them that are missing. So how many of those have been walked across the border and are just waiting a command to be detonated? Well, Absolutely. Absolutely. There's something to be concerned about. And, uh, oh, yeah. it would be my feeling, um, a dirty nuke would have to fulfill an agenda. It depends on who they're pissed off at at the time. Right. If, if the powers that be set right. off a dirty nuke, they might go after, well, let's make this a Muslim thing or yeah, let's or, make or, this a, uh, it's, it was a militia. It was some yeah, type of, uh, exactly. that's more, li- that's more likely. You know, that's more what, likely too. When, when Here's they the thing. Up, go ahead, sir. Yeah. They, they, these suitcase devices that are missing are actually tactical nukes. They can take out several city blocks, you know, in any given direction. Um, they're not like, you know, going to take out the entire city, but they're enough to create huge devastation and chaos and panic and, and so forth. So let's say that 30 of these devices, 20, 25, have managed to find their way eventually into the United States. What will happen if they're all detonated on the same day? It will look like a nuclear attack. Okay, um, you know th- this is the kind of thing that these lax border policies have allowed to possibly come about. Um, so it's it's a scary thing, and maybe that's kind of like one of the type of events that, that that you're saying that something's coming. You know, it seems like a lot of these strange creatures are harbingers of upheavals in the human world. Um, you know, going back. 
again, for centuries, when people would see things like this, they called them portents and omens. When they would see a monster of some kind or a spirit or some strange manifestation in the sky, then they would say, well, right after that, such and such happened, you know. So we have to wonder, you know, if if maybe the reason we're seeing so many of these things now is because there's some huge event coming that is absolutely devastating whenever it gets here. I, I agree. I agree. And go back to the Mothman, the Mothman prophecies in Point Pleasant and so forth. You know, this was a situation where catastrophic things happened, the bridge collapsed and so forth after the Mothman sightings and things of that nature. So, um I, I'm, I would lean toward a lot of this. Is there's something ramping up? There's something big coming. Something big going to happen. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But uh, you know, so tell us about some of the dogman stuff. I, you were talking somewhere about these things being on a rooftop. Well, I, I did a show with uh, Brenton Solomon, and he uh, played some of uh, Wesley Chapman's interview, and he uh, had a run in with some type of upright walking canine in a neighborhood <laughs> near dusk. You know, other people could possibly, you know, probably see this dog, man, werewolf, whatever it was. But he booked. He got his girlfriend to leave. He booked. And this thing was right on his tail. And he got in the house and locked it. And a weird, scruffy dog showed up, too, and was kind of working with the dog, man. <laughs> thing and wow. it walked around <clears throat> scratching the walls ends up on the roof and almost almost every report where we've got a dogman entity that isn't gained access or given access to get into the home they always end up on the roof and especially two of the skinwalkers they always like to get up on the roof and walk around I, maybe it just adds more terror to whatever their assignment was for whatever reason they're there but they like to go up on the roof and walk around well, once again, we go back to the fact that, you know, you've got an eight-foot-tall, muscle-bound, ripped, werewolf, dogman-looking thing. It could pull the door off. It could, you know, mm-hmm. it could smash through the window and gobble you up. I think once you're in your home, that's kind of a sanctuary. And once, you know, you, you're safe there for the most part. And you have to invite them in. Uh, Navajo Skinwalkers and Legends, we've got Amelia's story there. And then Amelia also is on YouTube talking about the dog man, you know, uh, basically hypnotizing her cousin. And her cousin's just got this thousand-yard stare going on. You know, she's probably ready to go turn the handle on the door and (laughs) let this thing in. Oh, wow. You know, so there's something going on. I would would, uh, avoid eye contact with everything right. avoid eye contact with everything uh, the black-eyed chick fried my sense of direction it's a good thing i only guide on rivers that go one way <laughs> or i'd get lost are you serious you had you had lasting effects yeah, from oh, your encounter still, with that thing? still and i was so embarrassed the next day i knew where we were and I was with Jack Shea, and I was saying, you know, we're like 30 miles from the next follow-up investigation. We were going to the track find. And I, I was so embarrassed. I had to go into a convenience store on the reservation and break out one of their maps to figure out where we were. I was that discombobulated. And even now, man, I'm, I really have to pay attention, especially driving around up, up in this area, up in Minnesota. I was here... 33 years ago at age 17 
And, you know, everything should somewhat look familiar. And I've got lost a couple of times up here, like, oh, damn. So I've really got to pay attention. But, yeah, that's been a lasting effect is uh, direction. It, hmm. You know, physical direction is has been a real challenge. Wow. So, now, what's so your what you're saying though is that the the influence, whatever that influence was that that black eyed uh, girl gave to you, had a physical effect on your brain somewhere. It did, and, and exactly. it, immediately, um, I think my core temperature went up to like 105. I was on fire. Wow. So t- again, if you would, tell our listeners about that encounter that you had with this, this black-eyed person so that they'll know what you're talking about. Jack Carey and I were doing a follow-up on the ultra-terrestrial ultra investigation. That's uh, on YouTube. It's also a Phantoms and Monsters article where this family had a couple of craft come over their homes and some occupants got out and ran around, some little gray alien bastards, and left some footprints and... <laughs> Um, it was, there was still a lot of physical evidence getting up there a week or so later and, you know, getting their story. What I always found interesting is they said it sounded like World War III going on. That's why they came out of their Hogan, because they heard miniguns and cannons and all kinds of crazy explosion things. <laughs> you know, like, what is going on? And then the locals were firing up and shooting at these craft too, but... <coughs> Excuse me. There was something bigger and badder going on with that. So we were out looking for any kind of ground engagement with these craft. You know, was was there uh, tanks out there or something? You know, we were looking for tracks, anything. You know, and you know, few and far between. So that's why we're out doing kind of a perimeter around where this whole thing happened, and we run into this. Driving along, our, our witnesses are driving. Jack and I are sitting in the back of their Jeep Liberty. And they're like, there's this weird thing up the, up the two-track road here. It's, it's, it's a Bigfoot. It's, it's an alien. It's a, oh, it's a chick. And as we roll up on this young woman, and from a distance, she had an attractive figure. And uh, the bone structure of her face looked, you know, fairly attractive from a distance. But as we got closer, she's wearing this one-piece denim outfit that ends in a skirt. And it's ripped, and it's torn, and it's got grease stains, and it's filthy. And she's wearing these six-inch cork heels walking off the side of the road. And I'm like, there's a girl out in the middle of nowhere in the high desert. I say, you, we need to stop and ask her if we can help. You know, we're, we're wanting right. to render aid and assistance. And that's how a lot of these black-eyed children uh, get to you, is they put themselves in helpless situations where right. you can feel compelled to help them. It's our nature, uh, some of us, <laughs> to want to to wanna help folks, you know. So, yeah, you know, my God, she needs at least water, you know, if she's out walking around in these filthy, trampy clothes, you know. And I don't remember hearing her voice audibly. Jack heard her voice because I rolled the window down. I said, hey, you need a ride? Do you need some help? What's going on? Or something like that. And yeah. I didn't audibly hear a voice i just heard the voice that went through me jack heard her voice and he made eye contact and he was ready to stain the upholstery and blow chow in the back of our driver (laughs) so 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 her her voice had that effect on him yeah and he just immediately became ill and then he pulled me from her glance and i'm like you know and he's like we need to go 
you know, and our, our witnesses are up there. They're, they're a couple, and they're, they got their little rap music going, and they're talking back and forth, and we're like, go, go, go. Yeah. And he's who like, was, he looks driving, Bradford was driving. Okay. Bradford from the uh, the UFO incident, the uh, ultra-terrestrial investigation, our main witness. And they finally figured out we wanted to get out of there. I, you know, I, I, I'm red. I'm, I'm, I'm beat red, and Jack is turned bleach white. <laughs> and he's like, oh, you want to get away from the weird chick? So he just put the pedal to the metal and we got out so of there. So her, her, her eyes were jet black. Jet black. You know, and it's one thing. I, I know you can buy the contacts, but... You know, it, it would be another thing. Why would some uh, filthy-looking, railroad-hopping tramp thing spend $400 on a pair of contacts in hopes of freaking out a couple of investigators? To walk around in the desert. Yeah, the you know, I just... Yeah. The, and you know, the, we had physical and mental things happening immediately with this entity. And once again, you know, this could be just... This poor girl is just so horribly demonically possessed by a bunch of stuff. Yeah, that could be and too. The, the telepathic thing that, you know, hammered through the front of my brain was uh, something of her wanting to pull my organs out through my nostrils, you know. <laughs> yeah. That, that's kind of, you know, what, what came home to me on that was she really, really wants to get in this vehicle and hurt us. Yeah. Or they, them, you know, Legion possibly wanted to get in and do harm. I can see some poor old sheep herder out there in the middle of nowhere running into one of these entities and, you know, feeling sorry for them. And the next thing you know, you, you know, you're putting them in your vehicle and they're pulling your spleen out through your earlobes or something. You know, it's um, it happens. And you don't hear from these people again because they got killed or whatever. Wow. Well, you know the wow. uh, the the, Chi- the Chinese would refer to these creatures as hungry ghosts. Yeah, but yep. you know they normally didn't see them during the daytime. That's what gets me about this. You guys saw this thing in broad daylight yeah. when it was hot outside. Well, you know, up in the lower eighties, so yeah. lower eighties, still uh, kind of light spring when we were. What out. color was this? Was this entity's hair? Uh, kind of black. But wow. you know, crazy kind of crazy hair, you know, unkept. Did she look Native American or Caucasian or? Um, maybe I would say more Hispanic hmm. than than anything else. Probably more Hispanic. And then, of course, my my Hispanic friends would go, "How much got a ronda?" You know, you ran into her yep. out there. Yeah, like, yeah that's no, exactly. I, I said there is a water the, or, for or they would say it was, and, it was it was la bruja. Yeah, you know, bruja, yeah. say it was a witch. Yeah, <clears throat> there's just so much stuff out there. You know, I, I, I avoid eye contact. If you're worried about something, avoid eye contact. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's you know, and I'm really careful because of the stuff we have come out. You know, Chief Dan and myself and others, all the exposure we've given to the Skinwalker cult. And those evil practices, you know, Leonard Warmey, so, you know, out in public, man, keep your distance from folks. And he's like, avoid eye contact. And he's, you know, be really careful if somebody puts their hand up near their mouth coming near you. They're going to blow a powder in your face and blind you or paralyze you, things like that. So, you know, they've the, the Skinwalker cult has got probably some neurotoxins that the Department of Defense would love to get their hands on. 
So now, would you say the uh, Skidwalker cult is something that is exclusive to, say, like, uh, you know, the United States, Mexico, that's our area, or are we talking about something worldwide? Well, you, that's where, you know, when we've got a more Caucasian thing when we've got the weir, the shape-shifting mm-hmm. weir. That's more of a Caucasian thing. I think it's the same evil. I mean, this stuff is all from the pits of hell. As far as I'm concerned, you know, it's just a different approach to the evil, whereas the weir and the shapeshifters kind of meld together. But I am told that if a skinwalker came across the weir, there would be a problem. Even though really? they're both serving the Dark Lord, um, they there would be a problem. And I've also, you know, I've, you know, with the weirs, uh, I've been told it's generational, it's a curse. Um, they can't help what they are. There was, uh, I was supposed to go and meet with this family in the Four Corners, and they were cursed. And they were Caucasian. And believe it or not, they wanted to have me over for dinner. Now, I don't know if I was the main course or if I was, you know, going to actually have a dinner with them. And this was getting set up, and in the end, I chose not to. I, um, I'd rather be from the outside looking in rather than being convinced of something otherwise. And I might end up hunting something like that someday. How did they approach you? Um, through a friend. And this friend knew the family well. He was very, he said, you know, they're like 1950s. It's like a throwback walking into their home. You know, the dad dresses like 1950s and the kids are very well disciplined, very well behaved, kind of like leave it to beaver or father knows best kind of you know, sitcom to walk in through the door. And the, the mother stays home and is a, a full-time wife and cook and mother and kind of uh kind of like that you know and he said it's pretty weird but he said they're stuck in some kind of time warp but the dad works and they have a mortgage and they have you know they have car payments and things like that and they function in our society to a point and every now and then they turn and they like to go and hunt yeah where do they they live what area Uh, Four Corners area. I kind of leave it at that. Four corners, so they, you know. they go out and they hunt people. Is that what you're saying? I, I don't know. A- animals, something. Definitely animals. They do have, you know, th- this is what I'm told. I didn't meet these people. I didn't talk yeah. to these people. But yeah. they like to go and hunt. Yeah, sounds like somebody needs to hunt them. Um, so you, uh, how did they know about you? How did they come into contact with you, what you were doing, and, and that they they wanted to talk to you and that kind of thing? Well, we, we've you know we're we're very public about what we've been sharing all these years, yeah. and I get contacted by people all the time, you know. And this, um, you know, we've we've been very public. There's, you know, every now and then we get something together and we're able to share and we share it. You know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on that we'll never talk about, we'll never share to uh, you know protect certain people and protect certain situations. And we've got some ongoing studies on some things that, you know, we're going to wait until we've got the whole picture for you. Then then we'll uh, put it out there for everyone to see. Yeah. Interesting. Just like the the Lakewood Lichen situation. uh, Yeah. I met with that witness for several hours. He's a professional. He's not a nut. He's not a kook. And he had goosebumps, and, you know, every time he, and his story never changed. He did some excellent drawings of what he saw and was still terrified. 
And then since we've had other people come forward with sightings in the general area, and if you've seen the Lakewood Lichen investigation on YouTube, there's green belts that go into almost every part of Denver toward the slope, and anything during the night could come through on these green belts on a, you know, straight shot in, straight shot out. Right, because those green belts pretty much cut through all of Denver, don't they? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a highway for anything that wanted to come down out of the foothills and then as wow. a crow flies you've got the lost creek wilderness area 20 30 miles away where we've got more dogman sightings and potential video and photos out of that area so it all kind of ties in as it can it's you know it we're still in progress with it we just get up and share what we've got so far and jack is still working on some angles and information out there you know to get a more complete picture and then some other folks have come forward uh, another witness to something identical to what our witness saw a few years ago in almost the same area so you know we're getting a clearer picture and that's why we share this stuff that's why we get out there because other people come forward when we do share material wow well did, did you, with these investigations that you've done lately, have you, ha- have you had any encounters with anything? I myself, personally, in the last couple of few months, no. Nothing definite that I could, you know, put my finger on. I was in an area where uh, some private land where some screams have been being heard, and I spent a few days there, you know, uh, on location. And I woke up to it. And then it quit, but it was the monkey house at the zoo right in front of my camp. And then it got hmm. quiet. And all I, you know, getting up and out, all I could see was impressions in the, in the grass. But I heard what I heard, and I know what it is that I heard, and it was some furry folks. Yeah. But it was like they just all of a sudden ran into me, like uh, startled, two or three <laughs> of them going, whoa, 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 you know. <laughs> It's yeah. Like, yeah. And it woke me up, and I'm like, oh. Well, listen, I, I, I know someone who contacted me recently, very close to where I am, actually, who one night on a, a property adjacent to his heard what he said sounded like somebody, two people having a loud conversation in a foreign language, except it was out in the woods. And he said it's almost like they were speaking gibberish and maybe a Middle Eastern language. And... I sent him to a website that had some uh, Bigfoot vocalizations, and he said, oh, my God, that's exactly what I heard. <laughs> so he said it sounded kind of like they were kind of half grunting, yelling, and jabbering all at the same time. Yeah, you know, I, I, and I've heard that, and I've heard that, and it doesn't, you know, look at the blue, you know, and yeah, then a little yeah. samurai. You, 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 yeah, that's exactly what really, it, that's really, it. Really, really, really fast, and really, really. <laughs> <fast>. <laughs> and it gets real high, <laughs> goes down like that. Yeah, that's what he heard. You know, and, and I've heard him close distance where you've got several individuals calling back and forth to each other. Really close. I mean, it goes right through you, but you know, it's, it is different tones and different pitches going back and forth. And then sometimes you might pick up some kind of language there. Nothing that we could understand, but there's some type of language going on. So it, yeah, so that, that's about it. And then I took a photo out of the back of my tent and there's some kind of dog head in a tree. It could be bark. I don't know. I'll probably have to get back out there, but you know, other than that, you know, I, um, 
as far as physical manifestations of things out here, that uh, hasn't happened yet. But we, we go back to this area in, that I'm in. In 1982, I was up here for about a year staying with my aunt and my uncle. And my older sister was out in the country, out in the middle of the woods. And, you know, at that time, my buddy Carl and I and some of us other ones were having some problems with an occult group that was holding meetings and so forth in the woods and they were daisy chaining across roads and trapping people. We were hearing all these terrible things and so forth and we'd run into them ourselves. And we uh, went and purposely showed it up at a couple where they were having their meetings and, you know, we were running by and throwing 22 shells, a handful of 22 shells in the fire, <laughs> you know, breaking up the party, if you will, because they were out there drinking blood and you just... Horrible, disgusting things. Anyway, my buddy Carl called them Moonies, for lack of anything better. You know, I, you know, they were devil worshippers, they were cult worshippers, whatever. You know, um, we so for lack of anything better, we called them Moonies. Anyway, long story short, my sister's out in the middle of the woods, out in the country, and something's coming around every evening, and scaring her, walking around, pounding on the walls, scratching on the walls. And she asked me to come out there. So I'm 17. I go, you know, it's those damn moonies. All righty. So I got my shotgun and my pistol and <laughs> you know, armed to the teeth. And I get out there and uh, about just about time it got dark. And this was a uh, December, January Gets really cold up here in northern Minnesota. I think it got probably 40 below that night. But this individual is so big that the line of sight, it blocked out the sodium light as it walked. Wow. Oh, that's a big one. <laughs> and this is something my sister told me. She goes, the light, the sodium light, I can't see it when he's walking around. You know, and it isn't the wow. guy's 20 feet tall, <clears throat> but he's big enough that the line of sight <clears throat> blocks out the sodium light. Anyway, that's the first thing that happened. And from there, it went around scratching on the walls, banging on the walls, tapping on the windows, scared the holy hell out of all of us. And we ended up all getting together. My nephew, my niece was very young at the time, and my sister. And it was a, a horrific night, frightening. And we just all got together. I was terrified, you know. So the next morning went out and basically this individual had beaten a path around the um, home. And I couldn't discern anything other than he'd beaten a path around the home. My nephew, I think he was about six or seven at the time, was a, a few feet away from me and he started crying. And I go, what's the matter? He says, it really was a crazy moony person. I go, really? How do you know? He goes, because he was out here barefoot. And there's a track oh, line. There's a track line going off into the woods. Hmm. And I, you know, wow. in my mind, I convinced myself it was a moony. It was those damn moonies. It, it was a Sasquatch. Huh. Right. It was a furry, right. furry hominid. You know, and, and that you know. So that, you know, really, it all starts up up here for me. Thirty, thirty-three years ago. And wh and where exactly did this happen? Northern Minnesota. Wow. Hmm. Wow. Well, I tell you, um, when we come back from break, I want to ask you uh, something else about this, the so-called Mooney thing, because I know someone else that told me some something interesting about that one time. Um, but uh, it's about time for us to take our first break. 
we're actually our second break, but first was second John. break. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and so we're going to go to break, and uh, when we come back, we'll have more with J.C. Johnson. So stay tuned. choose a book. Sometimes it's the cover, sometimes it's the title. I guess I'm pretty visual. If a book's really impressing me and the writing is really good, I will peek and see what the last paragraph is. Because the endings of books should rock you. I am a book person. And if you're a book person too, read to a child and spark a lifetime of ambition. Join me at bookpeopleunite.org because reading is fundamental. A public service announcement brought to you by Reading is Fundamental, Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Green light. Hey girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! (gasps) It's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text. Stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Driving has a rhythm all its own. Don't wreck it with a text. Before you get behind the wheel, silence your phone. Or better yet, designate a texter. For more text-free driving tips, visit stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! (gasps) It's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text. Stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Whoa. The moment my son saw a redwood tree. It's huge! Is the moment I knew that for him. You can't even see the top of that thing! Even the sky has no limit. There are some moments only the forest can inspire. Find yours at discovertheforest.org. Learn about forests near you and discover cool things to do when you go. Your moment is out there. Find it at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction, 
Are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. You're listening to the Outer Edge Radio with William Michael Mott and Tim Schwartz, only on PSN Radio. And welcome back to The Outer Edge on the PSN Radio Network. I'm Tim Swartz. Tonight we are talking with J.C. Johnson. Now, Mike, before we left on our break here, you wanted to ask J.C. a question uh, about uh, Moonies. Well, it was interesting. Uh, you mean, you guys called them Moonies, but you really don't know who they were. They were just a cult right. of people living in the yeah, woods, for right? For lack of anything better, and here's another thing, too, and we go back years, uh, there's a little bit of information going on on my Facebook page right now about these uh, calls that were recorded off of a Native American reservation, I believe, up in Washington. And everybody's right. like, listen to how that Bigfoot's imitating something, something, something. And I've heard these calls. I've been close in proximity to these creatures that make those noises. They've got an arse right. back like a hyena. I've had them a few feet away from me. I've had them circle our camps. I've gone after them with firepower. In yeah. the past. And I've heard them. It's unnerving. But it's a hyena type something, something. We had them here supposedly before the last ice age. And the last ice right. age wipes out everything according right. to uh, a narrative. <laughs> right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, everything just went with the ice age. It's gone. Never to be seen again. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. it's a hyena. It's not exactly... Uh, your African variety, but it no. it has the characteristics and noises, and many, many, many sightings. Well, was Doctor Christopher, the anthropologist that we were working right. with at UNM. He and his wife had a sighting of a pair of them chasing some deer. Well, you know, there was oh. there was a species they call hyenodon, uh-huh. and the hyenodon was basically a hyena on super steroids, and it roamed everywhere pretty much. Um, so who knows? Yeah, Lyle Blackburn has an interesting article of the specimen that was shot up in Montana that they finally ran back into the taxidermied carcass. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, the, the uh, Shunka Yeah, Shunka Warakin. Shunka Warakin. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Um, yeah, here, here's what I wanted to say about the Mooney situation, though. You know, you, you call them Moonies because they're cult-like, strange, uh, reclusive people who live off by themselves and so forth. But I had a friend that I went to college with. Actually, he was one of my roommates in college. And he told me a story about one time when he went into a on a, on a, on a camping trip deep into an area called the DeSoto National Forest in Mississippi. And the DeSoto National Forest is so deep that there are places back there where still no one has even set foot. Probably not even Native Americans. Okay. It's... 
it's really, really a deep, thick, thicket-type forest, okay? So they wanted to get back in there and go camping and, and so forth. And so they went back in this place, and they, they went in by boat. They got on a small river that flows through, and they, they went in with each one of them had their own John, John boat. You guys know what John boats are, right? Oh, yeah. Loaded. Yeah, had their coolers and their camping gear and all this stuff. They said they got way back in there, you know, and they were getting ready to make camp for the night. And they came around a bend, and all of a sudden, these little heads start popping up all around the boat, you know, or the, or the boats. And it's plop, plop, plop. These heads start popping up. And there were these people in the water, and he said they were all shaven-headed or else they were totally bald. And even even the children. It was men, men women, and children. And one of them swam over to where my friend was in his boat, and he looked looked at him, and he said, what is that thing? <laughs> he looked and he said, what thing? And he goes, that thing in which you are sitting. And he said, it's a boat. <laughs> this guy goes, oh. And then they just swam off, and they came around all the way around the bend, and it was like a little little camp of these people there where they were just living on the the bend of the river and basically were naked, half-naked. And they were, I guess they were Caucasian people, but he said it was just super creepy that, he, you know, he and his friend looked at each other and said, let's, let's get the hell out of here. <laughs> you know, and started paddling, man, and, and just got on up the river from them because they didn't want to be around them. They said it was really strange. At least they so didn't you have banjo music, right? Well, you have to, <laughs> how many of these isolated groups of people are there out there? I, I still believe have we have done a, this. A, I think we have Neanderthal out there still. And I, and do, do these believe. people think about it? Do these people come into interaction and maybe even interbreeding with other anomalous groups of hominid type things that are out there? Makes you wonder. Makes you wonder. Makes you wonder. Well, you know that's what uh, um, David uh, Pallades, uh told us uh, one time on a previous episode was that uh, there are park rangers in the uh, Appalachian area acknowledge that there are, and as they put the, put it, there are wild people who live in uh, in that area. And uh, they're not sure whether or not these are, you know, like uh, people who have always been wild and, right. you know, just generation after generation, or if it's, you know, like people like maybe a generation or so ago, or even just recently just decided to chuck it all and go and live in the woods. Well, you have to wonder, too, how many of them could be mentally ill. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, some, yeah. like extreme uh, paranoid schizophrenic who don't trust any other human being, and so they go live in the woods. You know? Or well, they think the world's about to end, so they go live in the woods. You know? So... Who knows, man? I have heard that there is you know, scientific evidence that if you live in the woods long enough, if you stay in the wilderness long enough, your body will grow a thick, thicker coat of hair. Hmm. I hadn't heard that one before. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's a, you know, it's a natural that's... reaction to the environment. Hmm. And imagine generation upon generation passing if you have a recessive or dominant gene for that. Yes, that on to the next generation. Where you know, in the end, when we're dealing with these large, furry people, if you will, Bigfoot, Sasquatch, uh, imagine them passing on more of that every generation. Whereas they probably weren't hairy when they first were cut off from us 
essentially. They were probably more human-like in appearance and so forth. And over successive generations, we have feral giants out there. And not all of them are covered in hair. You know, it's really unfortunate. We, uh, our, our ute tracker, Calvin, brought a gentleman in. He was also a ute. And he goes, I have some photos on my, my uh, smartphone I want to show you. And he said, we were up getting antler shards, picking up antler shards, and we heard some noises, and the noises were coming from behind the rock. So they're looking at the rock, and the first picture, the guy's peeking his head around looking at him. The second picture, he's standing there in full view with his arms out like, come at me, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, you, you can see he's hairy, but you, in the photos, you could see through his hair, and you could see skin. And the dude's wearing an elk hide over his shoulders. It isn't like he ripped it off some dead animal. You can see the stitching on the elk hide going around his neck. It's a fashioned garment. Hmm. Now, this and young how man. How tall was this guy? I'd say about seven and a half, pushing eight feet. And we and totally really. Was he, totally, was he hairless or was he hairy? Totally, totally covered in hair. Hmm. Totally covered in hair. His face, uh, fairly. Hairless, chin area had hair. It looked like he had kind of like a mustache thing going on, but, you know, groomed. And he's wearing this fashioned elk hide. Like I said, you could see the stitching. Do you have, does anyone have this photo? The young man's grandfather, Calvin told me a few months ago, the young man's grandfather told him it was taboo for him to have that and bad things were going to happen to him. So he finally just deleted them. Oh, too bad. That's, that's terrible. Yeah. Why does it always happen? I, I know. Like <laughs> It, it was amazing to see it too. It really, and it, it wasn't one of these little cheap cell phone things. I think it was like a at least an eight megapixel with real zoom that yeah. he got these photos with. So once in a while, you do get an impressive cell phone photo. Ninety nine point five percent of the time, you know there's something in the photo. You believe the witness, but when you've got a one point one megapixel picture we can't do a whole lot with it it might look great on your phone but when you get it up on a computer screen it turns to mush so you know and it's not you know if you've got a five megapixel or more phone you you're you're getting along to where you might actually get a decent picture and these other 1.1 megapixel pictures are very disappointing but yes yeah, so that's culture and you know working with an anthropologist now, as we have been, he's looking for culture in these individuals. He's still on the fence about any kind of human DNA being wrapped up in these creatures, whereas I'm fully convinced that is the case for the most part, that we do have some human DNA going back a long, long time ago. But now this guy, this anthropologist, is interesting because he's seen culture. And in one of the videos, Sasquatch DNA Gathering, Nikolaus Tomahawk Begay, is talking about when they came through to take the Navajo to Fort Sumner and, and put everybody in incarceration. The very young and the very old, they didn't think could make the trip. They left them there without support to die. Hmm. What was interesting, Nicolaius, and this is his local talk from his part of that mountain, is when some of the folks came back four and five and six years later, they found everyone still alive and well and healthy. Hmm. They asked them how they lived, how did they survive, and they said the Uggy helped us. And it was the furry folks. And what do they call them again? Uggy. And that's Uggy. that's regional. That's 20 square miles that has a name 
for the furry folks in that fashion. You go up over the mountain to another clan, another group, they might have another jargon for what they are. Yeetso, meetso, but at least in this part of the mountain, Nicolaus's clan up there, they're the Tluggy. And they brought them food. They helped them. And the thing was, we they used to trade with the Tluggy. It isn't gifting, folks. When you're out there talking, oh, I went to my gifting stone, my gifting rock. When you leave them something, they're trading with you, something of equal or greater value, and you're trading yeah. back and forth. They're used to that. That's culture. They're used to the trading thing. So you turn your gifting around a little bit. They're trading with you. And we've got so another what, what, uh, gifting from the furry folks. It's another YouTube right. video where he's trading back and forth trinkets and beads and fruit and so forth. And the gifts keep getting better until eventually he gets this amulet that we finally trace back to being Anasazi. It's got a dragon head on one side and the eye of Horus on the other. And that does directly tie the Anasazi in with the Inca Aztec influence, especially the Aztec influence. Whereas your modern-day scholars out here in the South was, well, the Anasazi eventually migrated out, and they've become <laughs> are the Pueblo and uh, the Zuni people, the, the Hopi people. No, they got their asses ran back down to Mexico and South America. <laughs> but they were, they were Aztec outposts. So, you know, this directly ties the Anasazi in. There's only one other in existence that we found, and you've got the Aztec dragon on one side and the Eye of Horus. On the other. Now, so who has this amulet now? Um, Gerald. He's in the video. Is he going to show it to, like, uh, an anthropologist? Or, or oh. it's, it's out there available for anyone to look at as far as photo eyes and in the video. Just don't let him take it. Just don't let him take it from you. He believes there's more. And I said, well, mm. here's the deal. I mean, he's got a relationship with this group, if you will. I'm like, yeah. you tell them all the T-bones and bacon they want. If they'll bring us those yellow rocks, we'll, we'll <laughs> yeah, start, no start trading with them. But, you know, he had uh, a situation in the Bradshaw Mountains where they, this group did, in fact, with the, the drought, leave the area about three years ago. Well, what type of trade items do they prefer to receive? That's what I'd like to know because they won't take anything from me. Other folks, they take stuff from, you know, and they usually leave something, they trade with you. Yeah. So they like shiny objects, you know, or trinkets? Well, or yeah, you know, if you, thought, if you thought you were dealing with the intellect of a monkey, you're not, because they're far more intelligent than that. You know, right. it isn't a, a monkey intellect where you can manipulate the way you would with, you know, uh, as you will, a lower primate. Uh, these yeah. are... These are very intelligent creatures. They very discerning. Some of them aren't so intelligent, but I, you know, I think there's a lot of when you're running into three and four toe varieties, you're starting to look at some inbreeding going on where they've got isolated populations that can't break out. Whereas out west, it's all five toed. Yeah, that we've run into. But we're deaf. But we're talking about. Members of uh, the human family. Well, in a really roundabout way, I think, you know, you really get to the real breakdown of, you know, when you mitochondrial, the mitochondrial mothers in the DNA study, 
come back. We've got Germanic, we've got Jewish, we've got Asian, I believe Native American. You know, you've got human ancestries involved with them. But I think your actual breakdown, if you get into how human they still are, would probably be between 1% and 17%. Hmm. Wow. So you so, progen- the progenitor of this species, whoever the daddy is, and once again, you know, um, we've got billions and billions of pairs of everything in GenBank. If it's on this little blue marble, we've got the DNA. This DNA was unknown, completely right. unknown. So are, are you th- are you thinking unknown hominid, or are you thinking, and I'll just go ahead and say it, are you thinking fallen angel? Well, and here's a different thing. We've got to go back to the Book of Enoch, and there's yeah. so many fascinating things in the Book of Enoch. It's the man behind the scenes. And right. if if... If all of us guys did something in antiquity and our deeds were recorded and what we did and we weren't really nice guys, we'd probably want that book to go away. So in 300 AD at the Council of Laodicea, the book becomes hypocrisy and, and, and you know, you'll, you'll be killed if, if you're caught with a copy yeah. of the book of Enoch. Yeah. It's far too detailing. And what's yeah. even more fascinating is now from the Dead Sea Scrolls, and I know Tom Horn and a bunch of these other guys are on it, what they're pulling out now is the actual book of giants from the Dead Sea Scrolls. Right. Yeah, I talk about that in my book too, to a great extent. Fascinating. I have, you know, I have the whole thing, the whole thing excerpted in there. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And it's, it's so, fascinating yeah. because, you know, we're talking about DNA manipulation a long, long time ago. Right. And we're talking about them combining, and essentially, you know, we, we go back to Enoch, and he knows the Watchers, you know, I, they've got a rapport with each other, and they're sorry about what they've done, and they send Enoch up with a petition to ask for forgiveness, and they're going to cease and desist messing around with creation. And yeah, Enoch they, comes they back. Were, That's why they were destroyed. They were undermining the genetic um, purity of the different species, not just humans, but all the species. Everything, you know. And they were mixing everything together, genetically, genetically, basically genetic engineering. Exactly, um, exactly. Yeah. And, and so when I look DNA at this, of, I have, so I, I guess to go back to my original question, are these things that just, are, are they creations of the Nephilim? Are they creations of the modern version of the Nephilim? Is it ongoing? It was what, in terms of what they're doing, because first it's kidnapping human women, obviously, for, for interbreeding purposes. Or are they, to some extent, a mix of all these things, human, uh, fallen angel, animals? What do you think is going on with it? Well, imagine, I would think angelic DNA as it is, as it was when they're here in the corporal form, in the body form, right. that their right. DNA is creation. So it could combine right. with all of creation, which they later went on to do, is combine their DNA with fish and fowls and asses and right. horses and everything yeah, else. Well, that's so, that's yeah. actually part of the ancient lore, that they could they could combine their DNA with any other, with any lower life form. Exactly. Uh, su- successfully. And that means even through sexual intercourse, they could do it. So, I'm sure the Earth women was uh, sexual intercourse, but, you know, imagine they're here with the technology of heaven. And some of these right. guys might have been in on the construction work down here, okay? The, yeah. I think your watcher, your watcher well, is probably they may be millions or billions of years old. I mean, think of the cumulative knowledge that they have. Exactly. And, you know, those... When, when we talk about fallen, we've got two different stories of separation. The Book of Enoch is, a, is another story of separation with the Watchers. And then we've got the actual war in heaven. 
where we have another separation. So, you know, you've got two different separation stories. Breakaway groups, yeah. 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 And once again, breakaway groups. So so basically, and this is something that, that, you know, that in in Caverns, Cultures, and Concealed Creatures, I look at this very great detail that the underlying theme of almost every type of non-human being that people encounter is ultimately, ultimately, when you get down to it, they're after human genetics or they're after genetic material and genetic bounty from the planet itself. So that their their focus is procreation and food. Those are their two main areas of focus and, and maintain you know obtaining genetic material for whatever their purposes are the various types of genet- genetic material and you know whether it's through the some of the livestock mutilations or human deductions or whatever or human mutilations okay so we have to ask ourselves you know if, if this is the case you know you, you have the the idea in the, the underlying message that they have to have human DNA in order to maintain a more human form, a more presentable form, a more pleasant form. So could it be that some of the more outlandish forms of hominids or two-legged things that are out there are those who have not been able to obtain the human influx as often as they would like to? And those are good questions. But, you know, let's go back because everything's connected. And we deal with a lot of folks who have been up, if you will, uh, abductees and so forth, and horrendous, horrific stories. And it's all having to do with um, gathering their DNA, gathering semen. Um, Some of these ladies believe that they've had their eggs taken from them, and, you know, there's different things going on. And then even more fringe folks that we talk to who've met their children, seen their children from these genetic experiments that are going on, and it's it's very disturbing. It's very disturbing. You know, we, we get back to the gray aliens, and I work with a lot of folks who are in aerospace and some other things, and they're all in the opinion it's not a race or a culture or anything. I mean, essentially, your little meat robots, your little meat puppets, they've got the uh, program of an old 286 computer, and when you take them outside of their program, they don't respond very well, whereas in the ultra-terrestrial investigation and some of our other friends who've dispatched these gray aliens with samurai swords, baseball bats, things of that nature, um, there's, there's something else. Uh, there's a higher intelligence over them, believe me. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard, uh, I've heard that uh, before, and, you know, from reports from uh, people who have uh, actually had contacts you know, with these uh, uh, alleged greys, I mean, that's exactly the way uh, they act. Uh, you know, you do something out of the ordinary, and it's almost like they shut down. Yeah, they don't respond very well outside of the program. So, mm-hmm. essentially, it's a bioengineered meat puppet, in our opinion. And there's right. men who share the opinion with me. But what's interesting is we get to the Anunnaki. That's another interesting situation. Now, we can throw a lot of conjecture into that. I don't see a lot of people who have actually gone back and checked Zachariah Stitchin's homework on his discernment of those tablets and so forth. But I will say, without any form or shape, uh, it sucked to be a Sumerian. I'll just leave it at that. It sucked to be a Sumerian. So there was genetic experimentation going on there. But we've got some modern-day situations from... Very credible people 
that are involved in some higher ends of government, if you will, that are having associations with these Anunnaki who do fly craft and have ships and so forth that land. So I find it interesting. Yeah. And the Anunnaki like to have slaves. They sure do. <laughs> yeah, we, they we, did. we go back to, you know, some stuff that I've been involved in, in uh, Kincaid's doorway in the Grand Canyon back in 1909. G.E. Kincaid is doing a solo trip down the Colorado River in the Grand Canyon. He's a headhunter essentially for Smithsonian affiliated with them. And we later prove in writing and in factual files and doctrines that he was affiliated with Smithsonian, whether they agree to it or not. But anyway, he sees these tailings and with great difficulty, he climbs up to this doorway, turns on his old gas lantern and Walking inside this facility, there's a Buddha-type statue, there's some Egyptian statues and hieroglyphics and so forth. And for all intents and purposes, this would appear to be a multicultural center in the Grand Canyon, tens of thousands of years old, or, you know, very old at, at any rate. And then later writings and so forth, mostly from a Phoenix or Arizona Republic article is where we read about this. And then we run into G.E. Kincaid some years later, and he still has some of the artifacts that were taken from that underground city. Um, is this a multicultural center? Thousands of years old? Possibly, but I don't think so. And I think it was more along the lines of an Anunnaki art collection going on. Mm. Hmm. Well, here's the thing. You said something interesting about the Anunnaki and slaves, and and this is one of the things that I've always found to be uh, disingenuous about the whole thing. Okay, the, this alleged story about these advanced beings creating humans. First of all, that's that's bogus. That's just oh, ridiculous. I agree. I agree. So, so the second thing is the uh, the story about them mining for gold. Creating humans so we would mine for gold. First of all, you have slaves that mine for gold. If you have somebody mining for gold and they're a human being or humanoid, then they are a slave. If you're an advanced species, then why don't you go ahead and create some robots, use some advanced technology, get some mining equipment in there, you know, use a, uh, a particle beam, whatever, you know, do your, do your mining without suffering causing suffering for others. The second thing is, if they are creating what sounds like a hybrid being, okay, mm-hmm. between themselves and human beings, that would have been what we call the Nephilim. Now, those people were servants of those who had created them. They used them to rule over regular human beings, for one thing, uh, as, as so-called demigods and, and uh, um, um, you know kings with divine right and that kind of thing. So we have to start looking at this in terms of the propaganda side of it. You know, we're being told we created this certain class of beings. They're better than you. Do what they say. Okay. Well, you know, this, this is where it all really makes more sense and where it ties in with, with modern day, um, theories about, you know, global elites who are part something else. They aren't just human, you know, secret societies that worship these, these, uh, Ultra, ultra terrestrials, things like this. And, and so when you look at the whole Anunnaki thing, it doesn't really make sense in terms of them creating people to mine for gold. That's just silly. 
Okay. Obviously, they're interested in, in human genetics. That's one of the things that they're still interested in. And I don't know if you guys saw this, but the, the lady that worked for the World Bank um, a few months back, uh, or about a year ago, actually, uh, I think her name was Karen something. She uh, was their head legal counsel, and she quit. And she dropped a bombshell to the effect that a third, no, a second, a second species um, is here with us on Earth, and they run everything. They're hominids. They have a long, elongated skull, a uh, larger skull. They can pass for human kind of, sort of, from a distance, but they stay hidden from us, and that they control all banking, finance, and government. And there you go. There's the Anunnaki. There they are. Or their children, their Nephilim, their offspring. So these things are coming out now. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting. It, yeah, what the that, Bible calls uh, the rulers of the spiritual darkness of this world. Okay, in the book of Ephesians chapter 6, you know, um, we're given a hierarchy there, you know, of spirit, spirit wickedness in high places and, and, and others. And it, and it says in the rulers of the, spirit, of, spiritual, of the spiritual darkness of this world, which would be the physical beings that rule under their overlords. Just a thought. No, I, I agree with that. That's um, we we get into a lot of the stuff that we're looking at, especially Brian Forrester down in South America now. With some of these elongated skulls, it isn't skull pressing or skull binding. Um, we're, you've got we've got two skull plates on the back of our head. A lot of these skulls don't; they're not human that they're finding down there. So we've got later people trying to emulate these demigods or whatever they were by skull binding. But, uh, you know, look at some of the Egyptian mummies that they've kept under wraps who had the elongated skulls. And then Brian Forrester is finding babies with elongated skulls. So that's not skull binding. It takes years to do the skull binding and get that effect. And the cavity size of some of these skulls is amazing. So once again, you've got something in the shadows, behind the scenes, working an agenda, something that came to kill, steal, and destroy. Right. And I will remind you, when Christ is being tempted by Lucifer, when he asked him to bow down, when he was up on the high place looking over the cities, and he would right. give him all these cities if he would simply bow down to him, Christ didn't question his ownership. No. Just remember that the days right. are evil, and this is essentially, as far as I'm concerned, a prison planet. The Van Allen belts are in in place to keep us from really leaving and to keep things from coming in. And if we did have a higher intelligence visiting us, they would be from a fallen planet also, and that wouldn't be a good thing. These ultra terrestrials have been here with us the whole time. Sure, they have. Sure, they have. And and so. You know, when you when you look at, at the this this idea of a hidden hand, okay, and it's here and it's always been here, then it stands to reason that the majority of strange manifestations that occur here have something to do with this hidden hand. You know, and people say, well, that you know, the UFO phenomenon behaves as if it's insane. I think it was Jacques Vallier who said it acts like a an insane machine mind. You know, well, it's an alien intelligence, but it's still from here. In other words, their intelligence, the things that they do seem as as logical to us as what we do seems logical to a rabbit. (laughs) Yeah. But we're all still from here, including the rabbits. 
we're all still here, and uh, they're sentenced to this earth with us yeah. on this fallen planet, this little blue marble. Yeah, they see, this, all, as the, they all, see this as their playing ground. They, they think everything belongs to them, including us. I think the, the, the demonic realm of the New Testament from the Bible, the demonic realm is the air. Yeah. It's the air. It's the skies. That's the demonic realm of the New Testament. That is where the demons are moving around and playing and so forth. And I would have to agree with that. Hmm. Interesting. Well, we're told that there that, that there are several different versions. You know that there are, in the book of Ephesians, we're told spirit wickedness in high places. Now that would be uh, you talked about two groups. Satan and his angels are still loose. And Satan is called, by Jesus Christ himself, he's called the prince of the powers of the air. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's obviously um, his, his domain. But there's the whole underworld thing, too. Once and, again, we're, and so forth. So all this stuff I got, you know, a lot of this stuff comes. I don't look for this. It comes to me. People come to me with particular problems and so forth, you know, hoping to get some answers or some help or closure. And I have a gentleman who essentially picked up a hitchhiker up on the Mogollon Rim back in the middle of nowhere, and he can't get rid of the guy. And when he got to his house, the guy turned into what he essentially said was a rooster. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, and I'm thinking, okay, this guy's a couple tacos shy of a combo play, you know. <laughs> but right. I will explore these things until, you know, I, I can vet somebody out to be uh, someone that I just don't want to have anything to do with. It. This guy was so sincere about everything. He said, you know, the guy the guy's putting on, it's some kind of uh, illusion, uh, holograph, something. He says, you know, the guy is able to do this, technologically advanced. And, you know, he, he, he called on Christ for this thing to go away. It likes to hang out up on his roof, too, in, in the roost yeah. form. And he right. called on this thing to go away, and it essentially said, you don't have the authority. And I asked him, well, do you? And he says, well, I've read the Bible a little bit, and blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah. dude. Yeah. Um, but he's seen the guy in his real form, and the guy's told him who he is. He says, I'm the last of the Girgashites. Those were the warring angels. And he said, when he sees the guy for what he really is, he's wearing like a spacesuit. But he's not the last. There's no. plenty of them. Yeah. He's yeah. a liar. The guy, they are liars, yeah. But he, he said the guy identified himself as a Gergeshite angel. Right. Huh. Well, and the guy, it won't leave it won't leave this guy alone. And, you know, somehow, that, some way, um, he made the invitation, and this thing's yeah, hanging around. And and it does work that way. And he he said something or did something at some point that opened that door. But yeah. this thing is it's interesting that you'll think about this form it has is sort of like a feathered serpent, a quetzalcoatl, yep. uh, you know, that type of thing. Um, but yeah, unless he has the authority through Jesus Christ as someone who belongs to Jesus Christ, there's nothing he can do about it. Even if you were to go in there and, and make this thing leave. It would come back. It, it would come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. what happens a lot of times, too, because, you know, the ghosty ghost things. I've got friends who go out and help families in the spiritual realm when a family is under attack and so forth. And in most cases... There needs to be some lifestyle changes with that family for these things to stay out and stay gone. And then often, oftentimes they're not willing to make those changes, so they're out there being continual cannon fodder for anything that wants to come in and 
make the worst sure. Monday of their life 50 times over. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're told that, aren't we? We're told that when, uh, whenever uh, Jesus said that, he said, whenever an unclean spirit is made to leave a dwelling, meaning a person or a place, that it will go out and wander for a while, you know, in the desolation, in the wilderness, and, and, and you know, in anguish because it's been driven out. But then it will go out and find seven more worse than itself, and it will return. Well, in a, essentially the passage from the Bible, you know, there's, this demon decides it's going to go on vacation and leaves the guy. And when it leaves the guy, you know, when he comes back, the house has been swept clean. The guy gave up porn. He quit drinking, quit beating his wife. You know, I mean, the house was swept clean. But right. He jumps back in with seven more wicked than he is. And that's the, the end condition of an unsaved person. That's right. That's right. Well, gentlemen, uh, unfortunately, uh, we are out of time. And we're going to have to uh, wrap up this episode. So, uh, uh, JC, is there uh, uh, anything that you'd like to uh, uh, tell our listeners? Yeah, you know, you've got a website that they go to, things like that? The most... Uh uh, most information will be on our YouTube channel, J.C. Johnson, Crypto Four Corners. We've got a video getting quite a few hits with Dr. Christopher, the anthropologist, interviewing this Alexandra, who had a daylight close encounter with three subjects of a larger group that were um, studying, if you will. Hmm. So it's it's really hmm. interesting. She's got some really good physical descriptions, and they've befriended their dog, Zor. They've been bringing food to this dog for some time. Oh so it's, a, it's an interesting video. And amongst them is the youngest one. And I've got his prints from when he was just a baby. Now he's pushing six foot and 300 pounds, and his foot's about a foot long. And this is over seven years that he's gone from, you know, three-and-a-half-inch baby prints up to uh, foot-long prints. Wow. <laughs> so and he, he's an artist, I've got some of his rock drawings on video. Interesting. Yeah. That is. That's, that's fascinating. That's culture. That's not a dumb monkey drawing that's right. rock. Yeah. So this wow. is got all very interesting. So you've got the dumb monkey crowd, and you've got the people that realize that we're dealing with something so much more complex than we'd ever imagined when it comes to these furry folks. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, go back with your actual dogmen who are what they are all the time. And there, I put an article up the other day about the dogmen off the Isles of India. They were a hundred and twenty thousand strong at one time. It's historically recorded. You know, that's a product of manipulation too. DNA, right? Mm-hmm. Sure, sure it is. That passed on and was successful. Yeah. Well, JC, we appreciate you being here, buddy. Um, we need to come back again soon. Um, just stay safe out there in the woods. We'll do. And you guys stay safe. Yeah. Thank you very much. God All bless. right. Thank you, JC. Mike, thank you. Thank you and uh, thank you uh, to our listening audience for being with us tonight. This is Tim Swartz. You have been listening to The Outer Edge on the PSN Radio Network. Be sure to tune in again this time next week for another fascinating show. So from all of us here, good night and have a pleasant tomorrow.